0: What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Statscarrera, here with a very special guest, JT O'Sullivan from The Quarterback School. If you want to be a better, smarter fan, check out The Quarterback School YouTube page. Check out The Quarterback School Patreon community. I promise you, it is worth your time and your money. JT, thanks for a few minutes today.
1: Yeah, man. It's a good weekend. Fired up for some Niner uh, ball here at the highest level.
0: Oh, I cannot wait. I was watching your Brock Purdy breakdown. And the biggest takeaway I had from that, watching the game live, I was like, man, Brock is really off. The rain is really affecting him. And I think it did some. But from your breakdown, what I saw too was there was a lot of times where he's got linemen shoved into his lap and he's trying to throw around people. And that really affected things also.
1: Yeah, I I think you're right on, though, to say that at least at the start, it was a big impact in the game, meaning the weather. And it was one of those things where – And I think it's contrasted by watching what Jordan Love maybe had some struggles, missed some throws, but not to the extent of what Purdy was dealing with. And then you add on a little like mini glove gate and adds another layer to it. And then my thing about it, absolutely. You know, there, there were some disruptors, especially in the interior for Green Bay's defensive line that I think, you know, could potentially be some issues for them moving forward as far as the 49ers protection. But I just loved, and I don't know if it can be overstated how awesome that last drive was for Brock and to be able to show the resilience to really struggle. I mean, struggle and have the, have multiple variables impact the struggle to then to be able to go out and do that when it mattered most and give his team a chance was pretty awesome.
0: He said afterwards that he got tentative after he throws that, that pass that basically hits Darnell Savage in the hands and he drops it that he got tentative. So I guess my question is how difficult is it to go from that to on the final drive? Like, Hey, I've got to let it rip.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think he's always had that, that final drive I think is more him than everything else. I I think he's being really honest and authentic when he says it does impact you. There's no way it doesn't impact you, especially on that kind of stage. But I think he just found a way to, it looked like he was more comfortable with his hand on the ball. You know, it's a bad feeling. And I, I don't think you have to be like a, former quarterback quarterback to know this just go dip your hand you know in some cold water and then try to throw a slick leather thing it's not very fun it's not going to go where you want it to go all the time and so navigating that and then being able to just do him on that final drive I thought there were some really nice anticipation throws I thought probably one of if not the biggest play on that drive was the second to last play where there's really nothing there and he's able to go scramble and get a good chunk to set up that opportunity to run. And so it, it was by, it was his skill set that kind of gave them that final opportunity to run that thing in.
0: And that, to me, is the biggest difference between this version of the 49ers offense and the version with Jimmy Garoppolo. With Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like that's most likely a negative play, either an incompletion or a sack, or maybe he tries to force it in somewhere and get a turnover, whereas Brock just runs around, turns it into a positive gain. And and as you said, sets it up for a shorter down to distance on third down.
1: Yeah, certainly his ability to create. And, uh, you know, I don't think it can be overstated how he is a dynamic athlete in tight spaces. Like you can see the change of direction, the acceleration, the quickness. He might not be like a top end, you know, 22 mile an hour guy, but he can move really well and gets out of there and creates like that. Now, When he gets out and creates, you got to make sure that it's a positive play and not a potential disaster at the same time. But for the vast majority of the time, it's a really good thing. And you're absolutely right that that added element, when you combine it with his other skill set from the pocket, his timing, his anticipation, his accuracy on normal dry days, that's the difference maker for, for me, all those things together, his ability to create.
0: Now, looking at this game specifically with the Lions, I feel like they do some things to draw up some creative blitzes where they've got a a lot of guys running free sometimes. And one of the issues I feel like you have with this offense, at least with the straight drop back passing game, sometimes there's not answers for a quarterback against the blitz. Is that a worry that you have for the 49ers in this game? Uh,
1: I I don't know if I would classify, I don't know if I would describe it like that as far as my concerns. I think Brock Purdy in this system, compared to a number of others across the league, gives the quarterback a number of hot answers. Now, the reality is, is, do they do it enough for him to be comfortable doing it all the time? You know, that's a different story, I think. Okay. You know, when, you, when you go to that idea of why they struggled so much to come from behind, they're just not built to drop back and throw it, to be in gun and throw it, drop back all the time. That's just not the DNA of this organization. And so that's been the struggle for me more than anything else. I think Brock has shown some great awareness, some great understanding, especially for being such a young guy in the league, to be able to throw the ball hot and get the ball out. Now, you know, it can be a little bit confusing, I think, sometimes when you've got guys who potentially are running hot routes who are wide backs and aren't necessarily as comfortable doing some of those hot things from the backfield. So you can get so exotic in your formations, your personnel, that you've got guys doing things that they don't necessarily have a lot of experience with. But if you're talking about throwing hots to traditional hot eligibles, you're talking about McCaffrey, Juszczyk, Kittle. Those are all guys that I think have a great feel for that. And they'll be locked in, ready to go.
0: What do you hate more? Kyle Juszczyk running like a deep corner or Christian McCaffrey shuffling five yards in the backfield?
1: I mean, I honestly think there's a place for both. I really do. Uh, that, that shuffle motion has grown on me a little bit. It's, uh, and I do, I, I saw, cause I talk about it and harp on it so much in my videos. I feel like people get a little defensive about it and try to kind of uh, stick up for it. And I did see a, an interview with, uh, coach Shanahan where he talks about the original. I think the original intent of it was essentially to get to empty, find a way to get to empty without the defense being able to check their empty checks. And that methodology makes sense to me. Like if you can get to your empty package and have an advantage on the defense and not allow them to be in their empty checks what they want to be in, well, then absolutely. I think it, for me, is frustrating when you see what I would consider probably top three, maybe top player in the league in McCaffrey and you want to go set him up five yards behind the line of scrimmage. It doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, I've seen really smart people talk about Oh, they want to be on different levels. They want to be on whatever. Get up to the line of scrimmage and slow release. You know, there's people been doing that for years. And so my thing about it is if you want to do it in motion, I can, that makes sense to me. If you want to get out there and shift and then have someone else motion and then start McCaffrey five yards in the backfield, that's just not it for me. And I think the league will start to treat McCaffrey in the backfield. as just a constant wide receiver. So they're essentially always in empty. You know, there, there's different ways that defenses go about approaching personnel like that. And I think that's probably what you have to do with a guy with McCaffrey's skill set.
0: That's interesting. Um, I hadn't thought of it like that. You You sort of disarmed the next thing I was going to say about it, because the only argument I could think of to do that sort of weird thing was that a lot of times I've noticed like the second and third reads are not really designed to get open until later in the play. And I thought maybe by starting McCaffrey deeper in the backfield, you sort of set that up. But like you said, you could just, you don't have to do it that way.
1: Well, I mean, I think the easy analogy is over the course, I mean, geez, decades in the league, when you see off option or choice routes run at the line of scrimmage, you'll see guys slow release or like walk off the line of scrimmage. Probably the most prominent guy in the league doing that still is Kelsey. And you basically you let the defense set itself, and then you run the option route off of that alignment. And so, to start five yards in the back to me just it it doesn't make sense. I I, maybe he really likes it, and if he really likes it, then it's good. You know, like there's definitely a fine line. It doesn't matter that I don't like it; that it doesn't make sense to me. You can see though that people across the league like it because it is caught on a lot of places. Green Bay ran it last week. You see Miami do it. So all these guys in the same system, they all kind of like, why is he doing it? What's it do? It's got to do something good. And I do think that there is some value in it. I'm not sure there's just as much value as they use it.
0: I've heard a lot of people for this game talk about two backs, one tight end. Kyle wants to put that formation out there and see basically how the Lions approach it on defense. And then he can adjust to whatever the Lions are going to do. If you were the Lions and the Niners go two backs, one tight end, how would you approach it? I would
1: probably pre- treat it in a, as a sub situation. To me, that's essentially uh, what I would consider like 11 personnel. You know, I, I know, I I understand exactly what you're trying to ask as far as, hey, if they keep base out there or an extra big out there, they have, the 49ers have the advantage, they would think, in the run game. If they keep nickel or sub out there, you would think they have advantage in the running game. But really, to me, I would, I would guess that Detroit is going to treat McCaffrey as a wide receiver so if he lines up in the backfield it's probably 21 personnel if he lines up in the slot or they motion him out he's a wide receiver so they you can have all your formation checks tethered to what how you want to identify him in the personnel and so to me i always there's no offense to defensive guys okay i'm not, I'm not sure how many defensive guys are uh, part of your the gold standard but sometimes they get a little sensitive you don't have to be the sharpest cat all the time over there you can't You can't have answers for everything. You've got to be able to blanket and bucket things. And so if you bucket McCaffrey into say, hey, when he's not in the backfield, he's a wide receiver, I think you have to treat them as a sub kind of like nickel situation defensively. And if that's the case, you would think you would be able to run the ball as the 49ers would want to do, although they.
0: From your lips to God's ears, man, run the damn ball. I keep saying there should never be a four-down period where Christian McCaffrey doesn't touch the ball at least once. Like, I don't care if it's through the air or on the ground, but, like, no no more than four plays. He's got to touch it every time. He's he's never had a bad game with them, JT.
1: I mean, has he ever had a bad game? I don't know. The the uh, It was a little weird, I will say. I think when you go back and watch that all-22 start to finish, just how... How they were throwing the ball in those elements felt, I don't know if forced is the right word, but almost like trying to prove a point. And when you turned on the other film, when you watch the other side of it and how the Packers, it's not that they didn't throw it. I just felt like they threw it in more timely situations. And so they also, I felt like they did a better job of running and getting Aaron Jones going on the edge on certain areas. And they certainly popped a couple runs, but it just felt more intentional. Like, hey, I don't care about the elements. We're throwing it. We're doing this no matter what, as opposed to, hey, let's find easy throws, like that early throw to Debo. And I know Debo goes hurt, so you lose that whole package. You lose that whole element of it. But let's find those quick perimeter screens. Let's get the ball out of his hands sometime, as opposed to feeling like, oh, we're going to make him make a throw from the pocket, and it's pouring.
0: That was, yeah, it was scary. Right now, at least, the weather looks good for Sunday, so hopefully that's not an issue. Uh, I want to flip it over to the other side of the ball with the Lions, because obviously I know you've done videos breaking down Jared Goff as well. Does Jared Goff to you look like the same guy that was in L.A. or does he is he doing something different or better now?
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, no. And yes. So I, I think he looks like a better version of himself. I think he was a good quarterback in Los Angeles. I know he got a bad rap. And you're always going to get a bad rap when it doesn't go your way and you don't get you don't win that final game. And you guys know that in San Francisco better than most. But it's one of those things where I think, you know, you're a first-round, first overall pick for a reason. Dude can spin it. And so I think he's got a different type of energy. His confidence looks like it's as high as it's ever been. I think his perimeter players are really good. I'm not sure how many people know about these guys across the league, but if you haven't watched their tape, and really I've been a big fan of Sam Laporta all year early acquisition on the fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> and so I've watched it in the multiple levels of interest, but what they ask him to do, I mean, he was split out running posts, running in routes. He was running almost a more robust catalog of routes than George Kittle. And so, I mean, you're, you're going to see it firsthand. He, and he's out there on a bum knee. Sam's out there on kind of a, not hundred percent wheel. And so it's just a really cool group of skill players and then you couple in that offensive line and that offensive line can run block. The right tackle is rolling out there. They're pulling him. He's pulling around the edge. He's crushing the soles of corners. I mean, it is nasty out there. And so it'll, they present a unique set of challenges and hopefully it's a good game.
0: Yeah, they do a big jo- uh, good job, especially on the edge of getting big people to block little people. And that's uh that's not a matchup you want to see if you're rooting for the defense is the, are the narratives about golf that under pressure He's he's a different quarterback, and playing outside, he's a different quarterback. Do you think those hold water, or do you think that's more narrative than reality?
1: Well, I mean, I, I would say that, that's true for everyone. I, I don't know anybody who plays better consistently under pressure or outside. I mean, I think all quarterbacks would love to play in a dome with no pressure. That sounds great. Let's do that all the time. <laughs> you know, I, I, I certainly understand probably that there are some some truth to that, you know, we'll see, I, you know, if, if it's supposed to be nice and the weather's supposed to be clear, you know, and, and the other part about this, and I'm sure you all have dug deeper into it than I have. But when you go back and walk, turn on the film of that 49er Packer playoff game, the 49ers are slipping more than the Packers. Yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things where I, I get the home field advantage is certainly a thing, and it definitely matters defensively when the crowd is out there and giving you that noise. But at the end of the day, between the lines, you're going. And sometimes those teams that are more accustomed to playing in weather, you know, NFC North type teams, even if Detroit's a dome team, uh, they've got some advantage on some of those nasty turfs.
0: Last question for you. Let's assume that it's mostly 49er fans, which you would think it would be, even though I heard Detroit fans travel well. If the lines have to go to a silent count, how big of a deal is that? Does that really impact anything on their offense or is that not a big deal?
1: I would say it's probably not a big deal. I've only been, I would say over the course of my like decade playing, there were only a few times when I was ever in an organization that wasn't comfortable in a silent count. And it's not, I never thought it was that difficult of a transition now. Also, I'm not playing left tackle. So, you know, if (laughs) if I was blocking Bosa, I would probably want a normal count, but it's one of those things where you got to do what you got to do.
0: Okay. Well, that, That takes away my smile a little bit. I was sort of hoping that we could, you know, force them into doing some crazy stuff. Nonetheless, uh, thank you so much again, everybody. Go check out the QB School on YouTube and the, the quarterback school Patreon community. It is unbelievable how much you will learn just about playing the position, about the offenses in general. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for the time, JT.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Have a good one.